bring a message to you today. I haven't preached on this scripture or these scriptures in a long time. But the very first part of the week, as I was thinking about something else, this really came into my heart for myself. And I saw some things that I wanted to share with you. I call this message this morning, Through the Storms. Have you ever been in a storm? I've been in some real storms. I've been out in the ocean in a, in, a, in a private boat and thought we weren't going to get back to shore. I've been on an airplane flying from Tallahassee to Jacksonville, feeling like I was in a mausoleum, the only one in a little small plane, the pilots up front with the door closed, and I was the only one sitting in the back with room for about 15 passengers. And through that storm, as it bounced and bumped, and I heard sounds that I didn't want to hear, I was praying for good old Jacksonville and to, and to get back on the ground again. I've had some times like that, and I've had some other times that weren't physical storms, but storms that were greater battles, greater battles of faith and greater tests of my determination to walk with God than those physical storms were. But Jesus has an answer for every storm. I want to share with you this message today that I believe proposes that. Last Sunday, I preached the message about God seeking us, God coming after us. And this message this morning, without my planning and, and intending it to be so, turns out to be something in that same vein. I'll share it with you, starting with this scripture in the book of Mark. Mark, the sixth chapter. Just these verses that I will read, beginning with beginning with the right place, which is forty-eight, Mark six forty-eight. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, where he dis- while he dismissed the crowd. Jesus had just fed the 5,000 men plus women and children. With a great miracle of producing enough food for that, that large crowd from five loaves and two fish. They had seen the wonderful miracle that Jesus had performed. And they saw him then to be a great prophet and a man of great power. They didn't see him truly as the Son of God. That is still evolving with them. So he immediately made his, insisted that his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. All those in the boat saw him, and the reaction was they were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. 
for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they received that visitation from the Lord and moved, to, and he came into the boat, and they moved on toward the land on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, they said among themselves, what kind of man is this that can calm the storms? There are several times that this event is supported in the scriptures. This is the second storm that Jesus delivered his disciples from. There are two storms. One, when Jesus was in the ship with them and went down into the stern of the ship to lie down on a pillow and to sleep and rest while they journeyed across the sea. And during the course of that travel, the storms came up. And it was a tempestuous storm. So that water began, to, the boat began to take on water. And they thought they were going to sink. So they went down to the stern where Jesus was asleep. And they woke him up and said, Master, don't you care that we're going to perish? We're about to drown here. So he gets up and walks up on the deck of the ship. I don't know why he bothered to do that. He could have stayed right there. But he walked up on the deck of the ship. And he said to the oceans to be calm. Not the oceans, the Sea of Galilee. Be calm, be still, be quiet. And it happened just as he spoke it. And then they were immediately on the shore. And they said, what kind of man is this? That the winds and the waves obey him. And at his word, turn and change. But they still did not quite accept it. Later on now. Again, Jesus feeds the 5,000. He is still showing them in miracles of demonstration that he is truly, genuinely, and totally the Son of God. So far, they look at him as a great prophet. They see these miracles, and they've seen many. They saw the miracle at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. They saw the raising of a young daughter. They saw the giving of sight to the blind. And, and they still are looking at him as a prophet like the prophets of the Old Testament, who had great power with God. They have not yet totally accepted that he is the Son of God. And Jesus wants them to see that. He wants them to understand that. Because that's critical to what he is teaching them to get them ready to spread the gospel to all the world. Of course they have to know that. They have to totally understand it. They have to totally believe it and be committed to that truth. So again, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And they say, Wow, this man is a great prophet. Look at the power he has with God and the miracles that he's able to perform. So Jesus said to them, on this occasion that I just read about to you, he said to them, go down, get in the boat, and cross over the sea. In fact, the Bible says he insisted on it. He insisted that they go down and get in the boat. So they listened to him. They did that. Obediently, they went down and got in the boat, and they started across the lake or the Sea of Galilee, as he had directed them to do. And then when they got out of the midst of the lake, after toiling with rowing and making little headway, they'd only got about four or five miles out into the sea. And they were in this boisterous wind that was pushing them back, causing the waves to rise up on the side and slash over onto the deck of the boat. And they again think that they're going to perish. Jesus is on the mountainside alone on the other side, the side from which they left, in the mountain, 
solitarily praying, and surely must be praying for those men out in the boat on the sea. And then when he sees what their trouble is, he begins to go towards them. Now this is something that we talk about, and we explain, we read it, and we say, what a wonderful story it is. But I want you to pause for a moment and think of the miraculous. Think of the miraculous. If you were out here on the edge of the St. John's River, out on, let's say, on one of those long docks that go out, goes out so the boats can get out of where the water's deep enough to, to move about in. You're out at the end of one of those long docks. You're sitting out there enjoying the evening, not even in a storm. And it gets dark and darker and darker, and you're sitting there looking at the beautiful moonlight, and suddenly you see somebody with a light that seems to be shining around him coming across that river. What are you going to do about that? Just sit there and say, wow, that must be an apparition of some kind. Maybe somebody's splashing a, a picture out here on this river for, to, to entertain me. You might think something like that to start with, but then, but then when that personage gets closer to you and you see it's a real person walking on the water, how astonishing would that be? How astonishing was it to them? But this was the second time they'd seen this. They'd seen him quiet the, the waters before and calm and still the waters, but now he's coming to them walking on the sea with the storm gathering and bleeding around them, and they're afraid for their lives, and Jesus is coming to them, and they don't think of him. Now, they have the background of knowing him, but they don't think of him as the Savior. They don't think of him as Messiah. They don't think of him as the Son of God. They're still now thinking about him as a wonderful man, but they see him now coming toward them, and they don't know that it is Jesus. Jesus is seeking them. He's coming after them. He's following them. He's caught up with them through the storm, now walking by where their boat is, and they look out, and they do not recognize him. And then they cry out to whoever this is. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. They recognize that voice. He says, it is I. I have come to rescue you. And when he says it is I, he uses the same words that God used when he spoke to Moses. When Moses said, who shall I say to Pharaoh is sending me? And the Lord God Almighty said, say to him, the I am has sent you. And Jesus says to them, it is the I am standing here before you, standing on the surface of the waters, watching the waves flap up around my feet. I am the great I am. I am always present now in the moment. This is the I am. And they see him, and in seeing him, they begin to recognize him. He comes into the ship. I'm passing over the part where Peter got out and walked on the water. That is mentioned in one of the Gospels, not the other three that tell this story. It's okay, but that's not a part of my message. I'll just tell you, Peter did get out. He walked a little ways, took his eyes off Jesus, and fell into the water. Jesus pulled him up and saved him, just like he's done a lot of us. But Jesus came to the boat. And what I want you to know is that all of the people in the boat now recognize that they were looking at a glorious, glorious messenger of God. 
that he is more than just a prophet. Now they see that he is beyond that. He is, he is, he is God himself. Who else could do this? Calm the waves, calm the storm. This is the second time he's done it for them now, within a very short period of time, remember. And so they are now getting the message that this is Jesus who is coming to them. So what kind of man is this, they said, that even the winds and waves obey him after the first storm? But in the second storm, Jesus came and made it clear to them, Now, I am the great I am. Always present, always the one in the present. So why did Jesus insist that he get into the boat? He didn't spare them from the storm. He sent them into the storm. When he sent them over there, he, the scripture says he, in a sense, he demanded that they go. The word best translated, he insisted that they get in the boat and go. Because he wanted to show them something about himself that they did not know. He wanted to show them in declarative form, in absolute certainty, that he is the God-sent one, the Father God, who sent this one, the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, the Son of God. He is, in fact, according to what he says when he declares himself to be, I am. He is, in fact, God himself, the perfect man and very God. Not God and man. In Jesus, it is the God-man. And so there he is, rescuing them, ransoming them, saving them, sparing them. He came in the middle of the sea to find them. That's, my friend, the message that he gave to them. I will come after you. I will find you. I will bring you out, and I will take you to, to, to safe land. That's the message that he gives to every one of us as we meet him and know him in our lives. He will come after us. He will find us. He will bring us to the place of security and safety in him. He will spare us from those storms that want to destroy us and from the work of the devil that wants to bring us down into the depth of the sea. He wants to bring us up into life and bring us into victory, which he always does when we see him and recognize and declare him to be who he is. This is the Son of God, and we do that in our lives, and Jesus gives us the victory out of all of that declaration from us. Our confession of faith when we see him and recognize him for who he is. So they were afraid no longer. I, I, it, it came sometime. You, you look at the disciples that they're developing all the way through their progress to the cross and to the resurrection. They still are, after all they've experienced, they still have some doubts. But finally, they get to the place, in the, in, and, 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 and Paul gets the final revelation about him. This is who he wanted them to see him as. This is who he wanted to express himself to be. This is exactly who Jesus is. Here's his description. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist or hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything we might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's who our Savior is. The creator himself and the one who causes the creation to hold together, be banded together. So there are prophetic things about this. I, I could go into a lot of details about this. I know you know this story well. But let me just 
just tell you that there are prophecies that speak to this very thing that Jesus brought about. In the Psalms, Psalm 89, verses 8 through 10. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. You calm them. And that's exactly what Jesus did in fulfilling this word of the Psalms. He did that for the disciples as he will do it for you and me in our lives. The good thing about all the things that Jesus did is they're transferable. They can be passed on to others. So we can receive everything that the disciples and the apostles did. Because Jesus is as much for us as he was for them. You believe it? Amen. Later on. Now, as time passed, they'd been through the first storm, then they had the feeding of the 5,000, they went through the second storm, the one I'm talking about now, and then there was a time that Jesus was talking to his disciples, not very long after that. And he said to them, who do men say that I am? He's looking for something from them. Who do men say that I am? And they say, some say that you're a prophet, some say that you're Elijah, come back. Some say that you're a teacher, a servant, a man, of, a, a great man of God. But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? I want to know who you say I am. And when he says that, Peter steps up. So many times it's Peter, isn't it? Thank God for good old Peter. Simon, Simon Peter, Simon Peter, the man who spoke up and others would So Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father in heaven. So finally this is beginning to really sink into them what Jesus wants them to know about him, that he is the living, eternal Messiah, Son of God. And that's what we need to know about him. We need to be sure of that, who he is in our lives. Who is he to us? Is he to us all that he wants to be to us? And we let him be all that he wants to be to us. We let him rescue us out of the storms. He wants to do that. He wants to bring us out of the storms. He wants to lift us up and bring us to the place of great, powerful, overwhelming, and personal victory in him. They saw the works of the Lord. This is again from Psalms. His wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths in their peril. Their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds to the children of men. Praise God. That's Psalm 107, verse 24 through 31. A great testimony of this very thing that we're talking about, how God will always bring us through from every storm. He'll bring us out of the storm safe to shore if we put our trust in him and believe in him and see him as our miracle deliverer. So he's God on the mountain. God on the mountain, he's still God in the valley. When things go wrong, 
good times, He's still God in the bad times. The God of the day is still God in the night. And so He, whatever, whatever storm or struggle or darkness time that you that you come into, for whatever reason, He is the light to bring you through. He's the Savior to lift you up. He's the deliverer to bring you out. And that's always what God wants to do for us. He always wants to bring us out of what trouble, problem, trial, struggle that the enemy has put upon us and that we find ourselves into. Just, just recognize that God wants to bring you through and out of any difficulty, any storm that you found yourself in. And when he does that, he will bring you to totally complete victory, just like he did to these men. If he will do it to anyone, he'll do it for everyone. He'll do it for them. He'll do it for you. And if he'll do it for you, he'll do it for me. He'll do it for anyone who calls on him and cries out, Oh, Lord, take my hand. And he will reach out and take your hand and bring you to salvation and victory and deliverance out of whatever it is or whatever oppression it is that the enemy has brought upon you. God bless you for believing that. And he will bless you for believing that. In fact, for believing that, he'll do that for you. You stand on his word and accept it. How many of you believe that God is the one who brings us out of every issue or problem or matter of difficulty or compromise or whatever it is? God is the one who lifts us up and brings us through. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please.